friends, welcome to another episode of Prosecco and Ponies with Tony. On this episode, I wanted to get real and uncomfortable with you, like more than normal. Besides for my Father's Day episode, I think the last few episodes have been pretty light and fun, and in my opinion, they sort of give you the impression like, oh wow, you have lots of great friends and you've gotten to travel to neat places, which is all true, for sure. But wow, oh wow, has a lot of that come at a price. So today, I want to talk about being a failure and give you my two cents on why failing or fucking up is actually really awesome. It's good for you, (laughs) even when it stings. I'm also going to talk a bit about doing things later in life because as much as I fucking lie until my face hurts about my age, I'm definitely no spring chicken and I've been through some shit. So I was an extremely average, maybe even below average student. I was never on the honor roll. I never won any class awards for math or science fairs. I wasn't dumb, I don't think, but I just never really excelled academically. So fast forward to high school, I did grade 11 math five times. Yes, five. Five times. And not like fucking calculus or algebra, like basic math. Every semester I would start and I would get barely halfway through and it would be hard and I would just say, fuck it, this sucks, I'd rather do acid and I would jam out. And because the school system here didn't really give a shit, I ended up completing grade 12 math before grade 11 math. So ridiculous. So eventually, after I missed my grad year because I didn't have enough credits, I realized like, okay, I guess I have to finish. And I ended up having to go to summer school to get grade 11 math. And I ended up finishing that class with an 85 I don't know if it's just because I sort of tried or if it was because summer school teachers don't really care, but eventually I got all my credits to technically say that I've finished high school. So now I'm 19 and I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I work for a while in a local bar that has VLTs as a server and I am fucking terrible at this job. I forget orders constantly. I spill drinks. I can't accurately count change back to people. The other server that I work with hates me with a vengeance because she thinks for some reason that I like her zitty-faced boyfriend, which I absolutely do not. Him and I just got along and had great chats, and I had this hot metalhead boyfriend. Like, I don't want your boyfriend who's got no fucking hair and he's 20 years older than me, girl. Chill. So... I end up leaving that job because I'm tired of always smelling like cigarettes and serving assholes that I went to high school with. Now, this is when I learn a very valuable life lesson. It's always easier to get a job while you have a job. I don't know why. It just is. So I apply for a million things and nobody calls, nobody calls. Eventually, I have a great phone interview with the owner of the sex store here called The Love Nest. We have a great conversation and she basically tells me that I have this job. She just wants to meet me in person. So the next day I get dressed really nice and I take the bus into the city and I go in to meet this older lady who owns the store and she takes one look at me, one look and says, your tongue ring is too sexual for this store. Um, I'm sorry, what? This is a sex store. I can literally see a giant butt plug sitting on the counter behind you. She's holding a jug of lube, a jug, a jug of lube. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And she flicks her hand to motion me out of the store and says, absolutely not in my store. Like, okay, so that's a fail. 
So now I'm like, okay, what the fuck am I doing? I look at university and I think, okay, I'm for sure not going there because all of this things sounded boring and nothing sounded super fun and really called out to me. So I was like, hey, I'll do massage therapy. It's only two years and I love learning about bodies. Biology was probably one of my best subjects in school when I actually paid attention. So I love learning about bodies. So whatever, I'll do that. So I sign up, I get all of my student loans in place and I go to the first two days of classes. And then guess what? I'm sitting And I'm looking around at everyone around me with their brown ponytails and their beige pants. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I cannot sit here for two years with Enya's fucking cousins and then have a career where I rub backs for eight hours a day. No offense to massage therapists. You guys are great. You help a lot of people. But that was just definitely not the path for me. So I quit. I couldn't even make it through the first week of massage therapy big fail. So then I decide, okay, well, I love makeup and all of that stuff. I was a goth kid. So maybe I'll take aesthetics. You get to learn facials and waxing and makeup and skincare. This sounds great. This will be fun. Yeah. So I sign up at a local college with a sort of questionable reputation in the middle of downtown Winnipeg. Now, this school is in the city and I live out of the city and I'm like, oh, shit, I need to get a license because I'm not taking the bus through downtown Winnipeg every day. I take my driver's test and I fail it miserably. I have the meanest man, seriously. And I know everybody probably says that when they fail, but for real, when I met him, I went to shake his hand because that's sort of just a manner thing that you do. And he glared at me and turned away to pick up his clipboard. Do you know how awkward that feels? So now I'm in a car with this cranky asshole and I'm so anxious because I'm a bit of an empath and cranky people make my stomach hurt. So I make a bunch of mistakes so bad and I fail brutally. Like I'm talking a legal turn, failing my parallel parking, rolling through a stop sign, not seeing a pedestrian, just so brutal. So then I'm like, okay, what if I make my test appointment in another town? I'll have a new test person and that's going to be better, right? So two weeks later, I show up for my second driver's test in a town that's like 30 minutes away and wouldn't you fucking know it, same guy, just he goes to all these towns being a dickhead driver instructor, still just as ignorant, same guy. So anyway, This time I pass, which is good because I literally start school in the city in three days. So I guess I'd call that one a win. He still wasn't nice to me, but whatever, I passed. So now aesthetics. I go through all eight months of the school and I was pretty good. I think I through all the theory and the practical. I didn't get anything under 95, which isn't too bad. But here's the fun thing that I learned about aesthetics. Another life lesson from Tony. If you don't take the nail course with it, no one wants to hire you. Nobody. If you didn't spend an extra three months learning how to do a fucking manicure and scrape calluses off of the bottoms of people's feet, you can forget about getting a job in aesthetics. I could not get a skincare technician job in the city at all for months. I applied and applied and had interview after interview with almost every place here. And one place actually hired me for a day because they didn't actually read my resume. So I showed up. They made me do a pedicure despite me telling them that I actually wasn't allowed because I wasn't trained for it and then fired me the next day when I showed up for work. So 
Hats off, another big fail for Tony. So now I'm desperate. I need a job, obviously, so I get a job at Zeller's, which is like the Canadian Kmart, sort of. Um, And I get a job as a floor person because I was raised in a retail environment from being with my mom all the time at the music store. And honestly, I'm fucking great at it. I love small talk. I love chit chat. I love saying hi to people I don't know. So I actually do really good at this job. So I'm there for, I don't know, maybe a year. And I see a posting for another store that's the parent company of Zeller's called The Bay. And the posting is in the makeup department as what's called the floater. (laughs) Floater. But it's basically someone that just goes to all the counters to let people take their breaks and whatever. So I applied to transfer to the Bay because I have a skincare certificate and I get in pretty easy and get a job at the Bay downtown, which is the coolest building. And I know I've talked about it before, but growing up, I watched a lot of British TV and Are You Being Served is still, to this day, one of my favorite shows on the planet. Like, Mr. Humphreys, are you free? Anyways, so I'm there for a few months going counter to counter. And eventually I get a job with Estee Lauder, huge, huge makeup company. So I definitely credit this company with showing me how to get amazing skin. So back in the day, Estee Lauder was a pretty big deal. And I know it's a big company and a lot of people know about it, but you need to know some details on why Estee was such a big deal back in the day. So History lesson with Tony. Yay. So Estee was born as Josephine Esther Menzer in New York in 1906. And when she was born, her parents allegedly wanted to name her Estee after one of her mom's favorite aunts, but they decided to make her more American sounding and they went with Josephine. But she grew up with the nickname Estee and it stuck forever. And when she finally launched her perfume in the 50s, she added the little accent mark to make her name look more French and started pronouncing it the way that her dad did with his Hungarian accent. So our homegirl, Estee, graduates from university and she works at her family's hardware store. And that's where she sort of started really paying attention to business and sales. And she even once said in a biography that her childhood dream was to become an actress with her name in lights and having flowers and handsome men. Girl, I fucking hear that. So anyway, as she got older, she started helping her uncle. He was a chemist and his company was called New Way Laboratories. And they sold things like creams and lotions and fragrances And she was fascinated watching her uncle create his products, and he taught her how to wash her face properly and do facial massages. Now, while she's working alongside her uncle, she renames one of his existing creams and starts selling it to her friends and beauty shops and beach clubs and local resorts. And one day she's getting her hair done and the owner of the salon starts talking to her like, girl, whoa, your skin is sick. What are you doing? So Estee comes back to the salon to hand out some of her uncle's creams and to demo them. And the owner is so impressed that she asks Estee to sell her products at her salon. So now, not only does Miss Estee have bomb-ass skin, but she's super business savvy, extremely charming, and also really good at selling. In 1953, Estee is now 47 years old at this point, and she introduces her first fragrance 
It's called Youth Do, and it's a bath oil that sort of doubles as a perfume. And I don't know if you've ever smelled this fragrance, but it 100% smells like it was made like 60 years ago. When you start with Estee Lauder, it's basically a rite of passage to throw this perfume on, and holy hell, it's supposed to be floral and delicious, like... Some of the notes are like lavender, cinema, uh, cinnamon, uh, bergamot, orchid, jasmine, clove. So in theory, this sounds great, but on my skin, it smelled like a sweaty old lady in a hot apartment building. Anyways, back to your history lesson. So this was a new amazing thing, and instead of using those fancy little French perfume droppers behind each ear... Women actually started using Youthu by the bottle and they put put it in their bath water all over their body. And in the first year, it sold 50,000 bottles. And by 1984, the sales had risen to over 150 million. That's insane. So just for some perspective, Estee didn't really get big or famous until she was 47. She was the first woman ever to receive the Chevalier Commendation in January 1978. She was 72, and she was inducted into the Junior Achievement U.S. Business Hall of Fame in 1988. She was 82. She received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2004, just before she passed away. She was 98. And while we're on the subject of women women thriving later on in life, Dame Judi Dench, Oscar winner, arguably one of the most important women in British theater, she didn't get a leading role in theater until she was 34, and she didn't get to do anything really hugely famous until she got to play James Bond's boss in GoldenEye when she was 61. Viola Davis, she's an amazing actress. She studied at Juilliard, which is a world-famous school. She worked for years and years and didn't get noticed until she was hired to work with Meryl Streep in 2008. She was 43. And now she is an Oscar, an Emmy, and two Tony Awards. That's crazy. Oh my god. Julia Child. Holy, you can't forget about Julia Child. She has what is considered one of the hardest cookbooks on the planet to conquer. It's called Mastering the Art of French Cooking. She didn't even fucking learn how to cook until she was 36. Her book came out in 1961 when she was 49, and it was a bestseller for over five years around the world. Like, her book is world famous. That's crazy. I could keep going on and on, but this list is so long and so inspiring, but then this podcast is going to be like six hours, but it keeps going though. Oprah, Tina Fey, designer Vivian Westwood, uh, Tiffany Haddish, the comedian, Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live. But my point is all of these women never found their path or their full form until a little bit later in life. And I can guarantee you that each of them probably had a billion failures before they got to where they were. Anyways, that's enough history and lecture. Um, so what was it? Oh, Estee Lauder. Yes. Okay. So I'm working at Estee Lauder. And this lady that I used to work with at Zeller's reaches out to me and we were still pretty close and she wants to start a business with me and another lady. This real super hippie, reiki, healing energy stuff, and I was big into that back in the day. So now I'm 22, 23-ish, and I quit Estee Lauder, which was a good job, I was happy, but I quit and I go into business with these two ladies. 
And this lady, she was actually quite a bit older than me and she had been an accountant for many years and blah, blah, blah. So I think that I'm safe in the hands of this lady who is basically like a second mom to me at the time. And also, I have no idea how to run a business or what's involved, but she promises me she's going to look after everything. She's, you know, she's knows all this stuff. And I'm literally being a stupid early 20s girl with high hopes and rose-colored glasses thinking that people always have my best interest in mind. Oh my god, another life lesson. So there's three of us ladies, we rent a building, we do all the things, we have signs, and my friends and family are so supportive and helpful, and I think that this is going to be amazing, and I'm going to be this successful young business owner, entrepreneur. Wrong. So like I'm condensing here for the sake of my sanity, but this woman turns out to be a complete idiot and an absolute monster of a woman. She spends our business money on things like personal laptops, stuff for her apartment. Um, she brings her daughter to the building when the two of us aren't there and lets her completely trash my stuff in my room. She makes important decisions without consulting us and on and on and on. She ends up getting all three of us thousands of dollars into debt. Wah, wah. So I end up getting out of it about eight months in with a bunch of credit card debt and a completely crushed ego and zero faith in the so-called wellness community. So huge fail, big debt, and pretty much zero self-esteem at that point. I decide, well, I need money because I have to pay for all this shit now. So I decide to go back to makeup. It's what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. And I end up getting what back then was pretty much a makeup artist's dream job. I get a job at MAC and I am thrilled. There's something so prestigious about being a MAC girl back in the day that was just like status. And this was before Sephora or any of those places were around. So MAC was like the cool place to be. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm cool and I'm fun and I'm edgy and the pretty people want me to be part of their club. And I start out as an on-call, which is someone who just goes store to store to fill in shifts when people call in sick or whatever. Eventually, I get hired permanently at a counter full-time, and I end up getting third key, which is like a management position. Now, she hit it well, but it turned out that my boss was a bit insane. She was the most beautiful and evil person I've ever met. I don't want to get too much into it, but she would do things like call me on my days off to yell at me about things that I couldn't control that didn't happen when I was at the store. She would make me work through my breaks. Uh, she told me once when I had the flu that I had to come in anyway, otherwise I would be written up. And it was grad season, which is one of the busiest time for makeup appointments. And I literally had to stop in the middle of a makeup appointment, go throw up in the back in a garbage can, and then chew like 10 pieces of gum to come out and finish this grad makeup. One day, maybe I'll do a makeup artist episode because, man, do I have some stories. Once during a performance review, she wrote down that my outfits were bland and I needed to try harder to be more fashionable. Another time I got written up because I didn't have enough lipstick on. And another time I got written up because she thought my hair was too messy, which it always is. My self-esteem during that time was not great, obviously, uh, because I had been put through the beauty ringer every time I stepped into work after having basically just failed and ruined myself financially because of a bad business venture. 
Anyway, one of my best friends at the counter put in her notice to leave the company and go to some tiny local payroll company. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that because I had pretty much had it with my psychotic boss and teenage girls asking for a fucking smoky eye demo five minutes before the store closed on a Friday night because they knew you can't say no. So I ended up quitting the beauty industry completely and starting as a customer service rep for this payroll company, which is fucking hilarious if you think back to when I told you at the beginning of this that I did grade 11 math five times. Anyway, the software did most of the work really and my customer service skills on most days are fucking flawless. So I end up doing pretty well, I make lots of friends and in general, I end up being really happy for a really long time. In my own way, I think I moved up in that company fairly quick. I went from customer service rep to onboarding and implementation to having my own team to eventually getting a role as a quality analyst. So not too bad for someone who genuinely thought that she was a fucking failure and an idiot for most of her adult life, right? Anyway, even while working at the payroll company, I had always been taking my camera out and shooting random things here and there. Photography's always really just been part of me, and I would shoot family and friends, nature, whatever. I always had my camera with me. So a few years into working at the payroll company, people started asking me to actually shoot them, like to pay me to shoot them, and they would put my pictures up at their desks, whatever. So I started realizing that my little creative brain was feeling very stuck working at a desk. But because I loved the people that I worked with, and also the money and the benefits were good, I really tried to shut those feelings out. Like, no, Tony, you're an office people now. Art can't be a job. But as the years went by, I kept getting more and more miserable. I used to drive my friend Susan home because we lived in the same area, And there were times that I would literally cry all the way home from the time that I got into my SUV to dropping her off on her doorstep. And I wanted so badly to belong at that office, but everything in my body was telling me that I wasn't happy. And I was so stubborn and stuck with this idea of, you know, this is as good as it'll ever get. Why would you throw that away for a stupid dream? Like, If you leave, this is another failure. You can't even stay at a place where they treat you like gold. You get to kind of do what you want. They literally bend over backwards for you. They have free food all the time. All your friends are here. Why would you leave? But as many people know, when your path needs to change, sometimes life will just drag you kicking and screaming. I was shooting more and more and I realized like every day I was crying more and more. And even though I loved being there, I was in a cushy cubicle prison with the best cellmates, and I know myself well enough to know that if I don't just close my eyes and jump, the anxious Libra in me will just stay comfortable even if it's not right. And I just needed to jump with both feet at the chance to be my authentic self. And after almost nine years at a company that I loved and was very safe at, I quit and I went to photography school. If you have ever taken a leap like that in your 30s, you will know how scary it is. My first day of school, like I couldn't even eat. My stomach was in knots. I got into the school and sat as like 20 other students start to roll in. And it's like, 
baby after baby after baby in this big classroom, I look around and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm fucking the oldest one here. And it turns out there was one other lady that wasn't in her 20s. I think she was in her early 40s, but I was already in with both feet and this was way too important for me to run out of, even though I was surrounded by mostly early 20-somethings that still lived at home. They're great kids, but I was like, I'm an old lady here. What am I doing? You're crazy. You have a mortgage to pay. You have bills. What are you doing? I don't want to say this is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, but it might be. I was older than the fucking teachers, almost all of them. Like, I was already there and I wasn't backing out now. So I just decided I have to embrace every second of it. You've already jumped in. So I just did it and I let my weirdness shine through. It didn't go over well most of the time. I wasn't popular. But for a huge mid-year project, I had this idea in my head and I did a photo shoot of a naked girl covered in blood holding a deer heart and I had to present it to a group of wide-eyed horrified 20-somethings while another student, her project, she took pictures of chickens on her family's farm. So no shade, but we were definitely there for different reasons. Anyways, an adventurous nine months later, I finished photography school, broke as fuck with a head full of art dreams and a brand new photography business that only I had the chance to ruin or thrive in. So three years and six months of a pandemic later, I get to shoot weddings and families and pet birthday parties and naked people and it's amazing and I wouldn't trade it. But I still get crippling anxiety when bills come in. I still cry every time we have to do our taxes because owning a photography business in a city with a thousand other photographers really has its ups and downs. But I don't think this counts as a failure, maybe just like a path with lots of steps that need to be laid down. But it's been worth the tears, it's been worth the sore eyes from editing, worth the anxiety that I still get when I have to tell people how much money to e-transfer me, whatever, it's worth it. I guess my point is, if you're listening to this, I hope that if you fail, you just take it and you learn from it. Because all of those failures that I thought were going to break my soul and maybe did a little bit at the time and ruined my ego, they helped me have the strength to be in my 30s and then say, fuck it, I just want to be happy. I want to create art. I want to save memories for people. And I want to have a podcast that people want to listen to. I think the hardest part through this was getting over the fact that people will judge every move you make, even if they love you, even if they think that you have a chance to succeed at something that you're really passionate about. The people around you will watch every move you make And you just have to be okay knowing that if you fail, it's going to sting, like really, really sting, but you're going to be okay. You'll be okay. Just keep going. We are all just living in our own moments and no one can do it for us. So just live the moments that spark fire in you. And if you quit a cushy, wonderful job with a semi-monthly paycheck and benefits to pursue a career in creative content in your 30s, Don't let other people's fear or judgment take away from your moments of joy. Let them be comfortable while you thrive in your discomfort like a fucking lotus growing from a river bottom. The world would be so boring if all we wanted was to do the same thing and have the same path as everybody else. We're not all meant for that. So I'm going to end this with one of my favorite quotes ever and a quick list of some famous failures. Now, I'm not saying I'm a failure, but I... I'm kind of a failure and that's okay. 
I'm not a religious person, but I actually found this quote after my stepdad passed away from lung cancer in his early 50s. And it was a weird thing that kind of just popped up on my phone. And I sometimes feel like he went out of his way to get me to see it. He had grown up religious and he had told me once that he was going to marry my mom as soon as he got better. And he didn't, he did not get that chance. So one day, right after he passed away, I was thinking about how he said he would marry my mom. And I was going through all of like the anger and the the grief and Anyways, I was thinking about, you know, him not being able to do this. And um, anyways, this quote came across my phone, but it's from Pope Paul VI. And it said, somebody should tell us right at the start of our lives that we are dying. Then we might live life to the limit every minute of every day. Do it, I say. Whatever you want to do, do it now. There are only so many tomorrows. Anyway, I know it's cheesy. I love that quote, but it's a bit heavy. So to end it off, here's a short list of famous failures. Steven Spielberg, the movie genius behind Jaws, E.T., he had shit grades in high school and he got rejected from the University of Southern California three times. Van Gogh sold one fucking painting in his life. He killed himself at 37. Stephen King, the king of horror, was a drug addict and alcoholic. He threw his book Carrie into the garbage while after being rejected over and over again. Actor Jim Carrey got booed off the stage at his first stand-up performance. Um, fucking Oprah, she got fired from her first big job because they said she was unfit for TV. Sir James Dyson, who invented the Dyson vacuum, he did over 5,000 vacuum designs until he finally made a vacuum that worked the way he envisioned it. Um, makeup mogul Elizabeth Arden, she was a nursing school dropout and she ended up with a billion dollar cosmetic company. Maya Angelou, civil rights activist and writer, she was mute for almost five years as a child after she was abused by an older man because she believed that her voice killed him and it was likely actually one of her uncles that murdered this man after he only served a day in prison. So I could go on and on and on, but the last one is one of my personal heroes, Lucille Ball. After she acted for years, all of her first films were considered total flops and Hollywood even nicknamed her the queen of the B-movies. And she went on to become a comedy icon and she also became the first woman to run a major TV studio in a time where women were told they had no place doing shit like that. Anyways, that's my lecture for today. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. So with that... Thank you for listening. If you listened the whole way through this, you can find my art at Brittany Jill Photography on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find all of my podcast stuff at Prosecco and Ponies on Facebook and Instagram. <sighs> I need a drink. <laughs> I'm going to get some Prosecco now. Stay hydrated, my friends.